Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds. I'm very excited to talk with you today. Can you please start by introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Yeah, thanks for having me, Erica. I was excited to get the invitation and to be able to speak with you today. Um, so my name is Danielle Zorab. I use she, her, and hers pronouns, and I'm a staff psychologist at our counseling and psychological services here on campus um, at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, and I also currently serve as the coordinator for sexual violence services, which is a newer role that we've had now for the last two years. And so I'm excited to sort of be developing that and increasing our campus partnerships and awareness on campus about the services that CAPS offers. Um, in my fourth year here at U of M as an employee, but I was also an undergrad student many years ago. So it's really wonderful to come back um, and serve the community and, and see the student body and the ways that it's grown and, and really just resonates with me. So I'm excited to be able to serve in this role and to work with our students. Sounds like a very important role and, uh, you know, a really fun opportunity to get to come back as a Wolverine in a new light. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can you dive in a little bit into some of the areas that you specialize in? Yeah. So I actually, as an employee, started as a postdoctoral fellow. So after my after earning my doctorate in clinical psychology, um, I started a postdoc year here and sort of a continued a specialization in trauma work. And so sexual violence certainly falls into that. And, and we know what a concern that is on college campuses in particular. And so um, I've been able to sort of expand that and work into this role as a coordinator now. CAPS has sort of always done this work, certainly, but now there's a bit more organization to it and a bit more information out there about it. So my specialties lie in providing trauma-informed care for students who have experienced some form of trauma, particularly related to sexual assault, relationship violence, stalking, other forms of sexual harassment or sexual misconduct. And so that's sort of where my area lies. Um, when we think about trauma-informed work, we really think of it sort of as a strengths-based approach and, and um, really wanting to promote safety, trustworthiness, choice, collaboration, and empower students to be able to make decisions for themselves, as well as really respecting the ways that their intersecting identities are involved in the ways that they experience some of these things um, and sort of move through the world and move through these systems at the University of Michigan. So that's, that's sort of my area of focus. Thank you. And can you explain counseling and psychological services, um, also known as CAPS, at the University of Michigan? Yeah, absolutely. So CAPS is a free and confidential service for all students. Um, we are accessible virtually at the moment, but we look forward to going back in person at some point. And our, uh, we got to enjoy our newly renovated union offices briefly um, until we went virtual. Um, so we provide brief individual therapy for students, um, groups. Some are very specific topic focused groups. Others are sort of more broad in general and self-exploration groups. Um, we have crisis or same day walk-in services. So again, right now that looks like calling CAPS to speak with someone the same day. But when we're in person, students can walk in and, and speak with a counselor that same day. And we also have case management services, which is where students come to us and maybe they need more than what CAPS can offer or just something that's a different fit from what CAPS offers. And so we help students connect with community resources and providers as well. 
Um, we also do a lot of outreach and community engagement out on our campus. And so whether that's giving presentations or talking with um, faculty and staff, talking with students, um, RAs, things like that about a variety of topics, anything from how to help a student in distress to mindfulness, anxiety, management, stress management, things like that. So really kind of a wide range of, of offerings. And can you describe the services that are available through CAPS for students who have experienced and survived sexual assault? Yeah, thank you for asking that. And again, this is um, something I'm really passionate about getting sort of the word out there of what do we specifically do for survivors? So we do offer individual therapy and um, I think a common misconception is that CAPS has a, a firm session limit and we don't. So something particularly for students who really need it, whether that's resource-based or trauma-based, things like that, identity-based, we really try to meet each individual student's needs where they're at. And so in the individual therapy we're able to offer for survivors, we now have um, what we call our CAPS survivor support team on campus. And we work very closely with SAPAC at this point um, to have a sort of broad survivor care team where we're able to not only offer CAPS individual therapy, but with students' permission, partner with a SAPAC advocate to also provide this sort of well-rounded holistic support system for students. So whether students need that individual therapy um, support from CAPS, and in addition to that, could have some academic advocacy, housing advocacy, things like that through SAPAC and sort of really work together. So that newer collaboration is called the Survivor Care Team. Um, and I think you all are gonna include that link with the podcast, but it's survivorcare.studentlife.umich.edu. And students can really see both that collaboration, but also access CAPS and SAPAC services through that. Um, so in addition to the individual therapy services, CAPS also does a therapist-led therapy group for survivors of any form of sexual violence. So it's called the Journey Towards Healing. Um, and it's one of our also longer-term care options for survivors and longer-term support. So that group runs every semester. Survivors can participate in it from semester to semester. And it really walks folks through kind of meeting them where they're at in terms of thinking about coping um, and safety and strategies for reconnecting with others in their lives, having relationships again and what those things look like, thinking about moving forward, but again, really trying to meet students where they're at. Um, and the students who've participated in it so far have, have given some really positive feedback. It's a group we've had running for a really long time at CAPS. Um, again, we have those crisis walk-in services. So survivors are always welcome, no matter what part they're at in their journey. Um, whether something has just happened or it happened many years ago, those walk-in crisis services can be for anyone who just needs some really urgent support. Um, and again, the case management services. So folks who might need resources off campus or just help connecting with other resources on campus, we have those services as well. And we will certainly include that link. Um, and you've mentioned this already, but just you know, to reiterate, how can U of M students access these services? Yeah, it's a great question. So being that we're virtual right now, you can schedule online, which I'm thrilled about. I think it really increases accessibility for students. Students used to have to come to CAPS to make the appointment and now they can do that all online. You can also figure out online who our survivor support team at CAPS is. So if you wanna make an appointment specifically with one of those folks, that's on the website as well. So you can schedule that initial consultation appointment with one of us. If not, students can get routed to us um, through an internal referral or something like that. But the um, initial access um, 
to us is through an initial consultation that can be scheduled online or it can be done by calling CAPS. Um, and that's true for the same day services as well, calling CAPS to speak with whoever is the counselor on duty. And while this is always a really important topic to speak about and ensure that everyone's informed on, you know, we're, we're talking with you today as April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And as the coordinator of sexualized violence services, uh, from your perspective, why is this type of an awareness month important to have? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think broadly, it really draws attention to an issue that many of us know is, is a concern on college campuses all year round. But to have a month where we're really thinking about it, drawing attention to it, being intentional about how we talk about it, how we get messages out there is really important. I think being able to have a month dedicated to awareness also lets survivors know they're not alone, that their experiences are valid, that there are many people, um, far too many people navigating this experience and trying to cope with it and move forward from it. I think it can be an opportunity to do some myth busting. So I think a lot of times we have these assumptions that um, we call it quote unquote sexual violence, but it's not always violence as we think about it, right? It's not always um, physically abusive in that sense. And so I think, you know, we think about it in, in ways of coercion or stalking or manipulation, um, threatening someone with like social consequences. There are a lot of things that it can look like. And so I think we can sort of do some myth busting around that and really validate, it a, broader, validate a broader range of people's experiences. Um, and another myth that I think comes up quite a bit is recognizing that that most people who've experienced this know the person who did that to them, rather than thinking about this as a sort of a stranger experience. Certainly that happens sometimes, but the, the vast majority of experiences, people know the other person. And so I think that really can give us some pause and think about what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, and, and myth bust a little bit there. Um, I think the number of students that this happens to can also, um, we can we can bring some awareness to that and really think about how can each of us contribute to a community where we think about sexual assault and sexual violence not being a part of our world because I think that's a, a true reality that could happen but we all need to to take part in that and really examine the ways that we contribute to perpetuating a culture where this is quote unquote acceptable um, and and really kind of broadening our understanding of what that could look like. So you've shared a lot of information and you know this this is a topic that includes as you mentioned a lot of different myths and um, you know just details for people to be aware of but what is something that you want everyone listening to know and understand about sexual assault or sexual violence I think something that maybe we don't think about quite as much as the ways that this impacts everyone and that there are certainly, populations and students in particular who are at higher risk. So we know female undergrad students are at higher risk. We know students of color at higher risk. Uh, we know that um, trans and non-binary students are at higher risk for, for having these experiences. And so really wanting everyone to understand that while there are certain populations who are at higher risk, this impacts all of us because we all know someone who's had this experience, even if we don't know they've had that experience, that, that with how um, statistically, how common this experience is, is that it's, it's up to all of us to really put a stop to it. Um, 
it impacts each person differently. There's no one way to um, cope with this, this experience or label it um, and that it's preventable. It is a preventable experience. And so I think sometimes we, we focus so much on the awareness of all that's going on that I would really love folks to think about what would it look like if this didn't exist anymore? And how could we have a campus that really promotes a culture where, where we're protecting each other? And how can the campus community be supportive of those who have experienced sexual violence and you know, help, help build to that prevention phase? Yeah, it's a great question. I think with such a well-resourced, enormous campus, it can be hard to know where to go for what and how to get involved, but really getting educated and being a part of the community who is doing this work. Um, SAPAC has a lot of volunteer groups that students can get involved in. Um, there are a lot of bystander intervention trainings and things like that that students can do to not only educate themselves about what does consent look like, what does um, what do healthy relationships look like and things like that, but also like when I'm noticing things are unhealthy or when I'm seeing something happen that I know isn't something um, safe for somebody else, how can I intervene? And really not relying on each other to do that, but putting it on ourselves to do some of that work and be willing to do some of that work. Um, and then I would also say to believe survivors when they share their experiences with you, validate them, take their lead on what they wanna share, what they're looking for, ask them what they might need. And if they don't know, that's okay. You can help them figure it out. Um, I think sometimes people are worried about saying or doing the wrong thing or not knowing how to respond and really just sharing with someone that you care for them, you believe them, you're concerned about them, you wanna help them with whatever they need um, is, is enough. What is one thing that you want everyone to take with them from this conversation? Yeah, it's a hard one to pick just one, I think. Um, I think the one thing that I would hope people would take and think about is what role do we as individuals play in perpetuating a culture where this is such a concern and an issue? Um, and in what ways can we individually and as groups get involved to support survivors and to put an end to sexual assault and sexual misconduct on our campus. I would also want people to know about the resources. So I would want them to know that CAPS exists, that there are specific resources for survivors at CAPS. They are confidential. Um, SAPAC is also a confidential resource and, and with this new collaboration with the survivor care team of CAPS and SAPAC really offering students that well-rounded holistic wraparound support for them. Um, so I would want students to know that for themselves and for others in their lives to share that with them and really utilize it um, as best they need to. Is there anything else that you would like to add or share? I think I would just, you know, thank you for having me and thanks to all those who are listening um, and really involved in trying to understand more about what April and Sexual Assault Awareness Month is, what are the options for people to get involved and, and sort of be a support for survivors, but also a support for working toward a campus where this is no longer an issue. I would also just share, please don't hesitate to reach out to CAPS or encourage your friends or other students to do so. We're here to support all students and we're here very specifically also to support survivors. And so I would want people to know that. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for taking the time to meet with us and share this immensely important information with our community. We truly appreciate it. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.